Welcome to the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast, where we invite you into a journey of healing and personal transformation that will radically change your divorce experience, heal your heart while refining your character, and set you up to be effective and feel empowered as you navigate the practical and emotional challenges of divorce. I'm your host, Karen McMahon, founder of Journey Beyond Divorce. My divorce brought me to my knees, and it also transformed me and set me on this path to help you. Our team of JBD coaches support men and women to engage in divorce with more calm, clarity, and confidence through our one-on-one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. At this stage in life, we've all gone through stuff. And it's not about whether you've gone through stuff, it's how you've gone through stuff that matters. And even in the day to day, you know, are you, I I remember meeting somebody in my neighborhood who couldn't handle rain. I mean, (laughs) I was going through the loss of a child and she couldn't handle when, when it was raining, she would call her husband to come home so she didn't have to take the kids and put them in the car seats in the car and she could run her errands. And he was like a doctor, you know? (laughs) couldn't believe it so not my very different right (laughs) Right. very different mindsets I think that's 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 really important and that whole kind of glass half full glass half empty how you look at the world how you see mistakes versus opportunities this kind of a thing Welcome to Healthy Romantic Relationships, where we invite you to consider exactly what you need to know about yourself and your new partner. Learn about the foundational pillars and dynamics of healthy relationships and how to give and get the love you want. We speak with experts about communication, personality and attachment styles, sensuality and sexuality, and when to consider remarriage and perhaps a blended family. If you're yearning for a healthy, vibrant, romantic relationship post-divorce, we're here to support you. Welcome, Sandy. Hi, Karen. Sandy, I'm so excited about today's conversation. Um, For those of you who may not have heard me, I was on Sandy's uh, podcast, which is uh, your last first date. And uh, and we decided it made sense for her to come on over and chat with us about uh, new relationships and how to... um, how to how to ensure that they are either going well or that you're knowing that it's not the right fit. Is that is that pretty fair? That is fair. And just to clarify, the name of my podcast is Last First Date Radio. Um, Your Last First Date is actually a Facebook group that I run and everybody's welcome to join that, too. 
Last First Eight Radio, if you want to listen into her podcast. And then so, Sandy, you have this really interesting uh, approach to relationships where you talk to people about their personal operating manual. And I would love to dive into all that that includes and how there's value for that as people uh, re-engage in relationships after divorce. Yeah, this came about because I realized as I was doing this work that so many people were not communicating how they function best in relationship and in their lives. And I said, wouldn't it be great if we could all come with an operating manual that we could just give to our partner and say, hey, this is how I operate best. And I have my clients fill this out and keep it for themselves so that when they're in a relationship, they can communicate these different areas of their lives so that they can be better equipped in a relationship. And my clients who are in relationships also give this to their partners so they can both discuss their answers. And so this is divided into three key categories and there are categories that will identify the, the main ways that we connect in relationship. And they are lifestyle, worldview, and sex. And so those are the three key areas of compatibility. And when you align with a partner in those three areas, it's a strong foundation for lasting love. And so we're not going to always align in every single area and every single category, every question, but you want to have the majority of these three areas in alignment. And so would you like me to dive a little deeper into each one? Yeah. Tell me a little bit about lifestyle. So lifestyle is the little, how, how do we operate on a day-to-day -day basis? And these include what time do we like to wake up in the morning? What time do we go to sleep? How much sleep do we need? What's our morning ritual? I had a client who did yoga every morning. And when she got into a relationship, she was concerned that it wouldn't leave time or she wouldn't be able to make time for her yoga or her meditation. And again, these are really important. If she didn't do it, she would feel out of alignment for her whole day. And so mm. being able to say, hey, you know what? Just a heads up in the morning, maybe it's the first time a partner sleeps over and you let them know, I, I have a little morning ritual. This is what I do. Just wanted to let you know. Also evening rituals. What do we do before bed? If we're used to taking a bath, reading a book, watching a show as we fall asleep, these things need to be communicating, communicated. And then we have the questions about our personalities. Are we introverted or extroverted? Because that has so much to do with our energy and how we recharge. And if we're, again, not aware, then we're going to be exhausted. We could get really grouchy because we haven't taken the time to recharge our energy. Then we have food choices. I mean, I've had clients who never asked to go to a restaurant where they could be served the kind of food they like. It seems so silly, but they were afraid to be too needy and ask for too much. And so they would sit there and eat vegetables at a steak restaurant because they were vegetarian and they couldn't eat anything else on the menu. Right. So all of these things on our day-to-day -day are really, really important. And um, even how we spend our free time are we an on-time person? Are we messy or neat? All of those things matter. 
Then we have worldview. And to me, this was a real eye opener. After my divorce, I realized that my worldview and my ex's worldview did not align. And it may look good on paper. And so what we might think of as say religious beliefs, my ex and I were both Jewish and both wanted to raise our children Orthodox. However, the way we saw religion was not at all the same. And we ended up not raising our children with the same beliefs. And so the first question in the worldview section is, do you have a spiritual or religious practice? And if you have one, describe it. So you may be, maybe you're Christian, but you don't go to church. And that means that you might be open to somebody else's practice, or maybe you're not. Uh, your commitment to discussing or reading spiritual materials, sacred texts, this is something that, that for some people is super important and for others, not at all. Also, how you see miracles or fate or wonders of nature. Some people think that stuff is a bunch of baloney and other people, that's their that's their religion, right? And so if you're not going to be respected for how you believe, it's going to be hard to get along in the long run. Well, what's interesting, uh, as you talk about the, the spiritual part of it, you know, given the work that I do, when, when, when you run into life's tribulations and you're with a partner, um, often whatever that foundation is of belief is what um, drives how you navigate those really, really difficult times filled with uncertainty and fear. And so as I'm listening to you, both, both that first part, the lifestyle part, um, and now the beginning of worldview, it's, it's actually so brilliant to, um, to swap manuals and get to know each other on a lot of levels that I think a lot of people don't touch on until they're in the thick of it and how nice to kind of talk about those things ahead of time. Yeah. I, if I wish I had this when I was dating in my twenties, because again, on paper, people can look very similar, you know, having the same religious belief or the same political belief, you could have opposite political beliefs, but have the same core values and that could work. You could have uh, a devotion to charitable work and your and your partner doesn't do anything to give back. That's an important thing to know. And these are all part of your worldview. And so to your point, when we had early on in our marriage, a, a huge crisis, we had a child born with a genetic disease that was fatal. And my ex-husband turned away from God, he, he became angry and turned away from religion. And I turned towards my community for support. And so we started to really see how we differed in our belief system. And for a long time, he stayed really, really angry and depressed. And I was just like, what can we do? How can we move forward? And those are primary differences in how somebody deals with crisis, how somebody deals with big issues. That to me is one of the most important things to clarify early on in a relationship. 
So, so I completely agree with you. So if, if lifestyle is communication, introvert versus extrovert, like the little things like your routines throughout the day or the week, worldview is it's spiritual. It's, it's, you know, your perspective on miracles versus coincidence, all of that kind of stuff. What else is in worldview? Is Political like views. It, yeah. Um, and can you touch on political views a little bit? Like, so you were saying you could have, you could be conservative and liberal, but have the same values. And if you have the same values, regardless of maybe your solution oriented perspective, what does that do? Like, how does, how does that help figure things out? Right. So you want to look beyond labels. Labels can keep us very divided. You want mm-hmm. to look for where you are similar. You also want to look for where you're completely at opposite ends and are not going to, you're not going to respect the other person's point of view. And so politics have become so divisive in the last number of years here in America, where it wasn't just about politics. It was really about core values. It was about the person who was our president who stood for core values that were very much against where a lot of people stood and that that led to whether we vaccinate or not, whether we believe that the coronavirus is real or, you know, just a made up fake thing. And it, it talked a lot about our core beliefs. How do we see the world? How do we how do we view life? And it also leads to do we have a growth mindset or a fixed mindset? And so growth mindset would have us view what's happening in the world and the crisis that we go through in a way like, how can we learn from this and what, what can we do? Not what can't we do? And so if you are, I mean, I had a, I had a friendship that fell apart because of politics, because she was so fixed on bad, like labeling anybody who had voted for Obama at the time as being a terrible person. And I had voted for Obama and I was like, we are friends. We've been friends for like 20 years. And if this is a conversation that's not going to go anywhere and you're going to put me down, it doesn't feel good. And how about we just don't talk about this? You know, we just talk about other things. And she she refused. She said, well, if 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 I can't just talk about whatever I want, then this isn't a friendship. And I'm like, OK, we're done. Right. So very good information, right? That falls into the category of good information. And so so you've said a bunch. I mean, you're just you're sharing so much great information. So when it comes to mindset, if we could go back to that for a second, again, dealing in an audience that's facing such severe trial and tribulation, um, knowing how your partner deals with that, like, do they pull themselves up by their bootstraps, um, figure out what they can learn, dive into material? Material or support, or or do they do that? Do they um, shut down? Do they blame and accuse? Like all of those different things. It's like how do they deal with that? And I would imagine your growth mindset versus your fixed mindset um, are, are individuals who go through crisis very differently. Are you emotionally overwhelmed, heartbroken, bitter, paralyzed by fear? 
In order to effectively navigate the significant decisions before you and skillfully master your life after divorce, you must attend to your emotional recovery. Our 12-step divorce recovery program is an emotional roadmap that guides you to feel clearer, stronger, and more in charge of yourself. Thousands have emerged transformed by the lessons, strategies, and tools our roadmap provides. Divorce will change your life. Enroll in the 12-step divorce recovery program today and ensure that the changes will be life-enhancing. Go to divorcerecoveryprogram.com to enroll. Yeah, and you can tell a lot right away. Like if somebody's widowed and they're in therapy and they are not just talking about how hard it is, but they're actually working towards healing. That to me is is huge, as opposed to the person who 20 years later is still pining for the person who's not there. And look, you know, we at this stage in life, we've all gone through stuff. And it's not about whether you've gone through stuff, it's how you've gone through stuff that matters. And even in the day-to-day, you know, are you, I I remember meeting somebody in my neighborhood who couldn't handle rain. I mean, (laughs) I was going through the loss of a child and she couldn't handle when, when it was raining, she would call her husband to come home so she didn't have to take the kids and put them in the car seats in the car and she could run her errands. And he was like a doctor, you know, (laughs) I couldn't believe it. So not my very different, right? (laughs) Right. Very different mindsets. I think that's, that's, that's really important. And that whole kind of glass half full, glass half empty, how you look at the world, how you see mistakes versus opportunities, this kind of a thing. Um, Whether you're grateful you have a glass. (laughs) Right where your gratitude in general is. These are all great questions. So does that pretty much encompass worldview, like spiritual politics, um, way of navigating life's challenges? Yeah, and your core values. Really what I do with clients is we go through a values list and we pick the top five values that they live by and that make up who they are. What motivates you? What makes you get up in the morning? What do people know you as? And those are really part of your worldview. I love doing values work. And I love that you mentioned it. If we could just stay here for a moment, what is your, can you give our listeners a little one-on-one one-on-one on how they can start thinking about their values? I know I have a cheat sheet that I give people so that they have a, a place to start. And at first you're listing like, 30 values, right? It's like, oh my God, I have all these values. And yet we really do encourage people to, to boil them down to the most succinct. Did you say five? Is that what you? I try to keep it to five. So I also have a cheat sheet and I, when I'm on zoom with a client, I'll, I'll pull it up and I'll have them go through it with me. And then we do something called value strings. And this is something I learned in coaching school And I can show you an example if you want to do it with me, if you want to name one of your core values, if you know off the top of your head. Yeah, I would say one of my top values is faith, my faith. Faith. 
Okay. So value strings are when the person has identified faith, then all the words that would identify what is faith to you. Because again, each of these values is going to be different for each of us. Creativity for me is art, writing, doing something creative every day. And it could mean just seeing something creatively. It could be having a creative conversation. It could be so many things. So for other people, it's playing the saxophone. So what is faith to you? And I'm, I'm going to take some notes. Uh, faith to me is um, uh, believing what uh, I can't necessarily see. I just went through a transition. And so there's a, there's a big um, uh, piece of faith. When I go through transitions, there's trust, there's, um, there's a belief in everything that happens, um, that, uh, that there's a higher power and surrender is a really important part of my faith, being able to do everything I can, but then to surrender the outcome and, and trust in how it unfolds and that it's unfolding for me and not at me. Uh, those are all parts of my faith. So I can so relate to all of these things. And as you're talking, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Now, if you were to be in a relationship with somebody and you said, you know, this is my, one of my core beliefs and one of my core values is faith. If you just said faith, he might think that meant going to church every Sunday. He might mm-hmm. think that means that you have a prayer ritual. You didn't mention anything about church or prayer in this. This is really about the belief that everything happens and you don't necessarily know why, but there's a higher power involved and that it's happening for you. And, you know, to me, I'm also getting the growth mindset here that you see how to take hard things and learn from them and grow from them. And that is really attractive to the right person who's believing in the same core value. So I love that. So the value string will take that word and really make it personal. And I love that because I think had we had a full out conversation about this, you would learn more about my my Christian belief and my connection to my community. And so if if as as the listeners, if you find your five and and I think uh, Sandy will share a little bit more about how to do that. And, and then you're having those conversations with your new partner that you've decided to commit to really so much can um, can come to the surface and become clear about each other as you delve into these conversations. Yeah, so much is revealed. And so, yeah, take that cheat sheet. You know, if you go on the Internet and just Google values, core values, you can find lots of links and go through it. And you might want to narrow it down for yourself, even because so there's so many, it can be a little overwhelming, but really maybe choosing your top 10 and then narrowing that down to yeah. five or six, and then do this value strings exercise. You can do it with your partner and have them be the person taking the notes as you're talking and then do it for each other because it could lead to such a great conversation. And it's, it's really what lights us up. This is, this is what makes us feel aligned and like we're living our truth. And so that worldview of our core values is such a big part of who we are. And we need to be able to understand each other better through these values-based conversations. 
And I would imagine in, in understanding each other better, um, your each individual would feel uh, seen and heard, which is such an important thing in relationship. Absolutely. Yeah. The most important, probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's great. So, so we, we've talked a little bit about lifestyle, a little bit about worldview. Um, let's talk sex. Yeah. Let's talk it. All right. So sex is, you know, I had a client recently who said to me, I want to talk to you about sex. He goes, I, I know how to do it. <laughs> and I said, oh, good, because I'm not going to teach you that. <laughs> but he wanted to know how to talk about it with his new partner. And mm -hmm. I love that he's trying to do better on this, this round of dating and after two divorces to, to really make a, a relationship work. And so being clear on what is your sexual desire, your preferences, and how to communicate that to a partner, very, very important. So some of these questions in the manual are about how comfortable you are with sexuality and with your body and, you know, being able to really work on that. If you have discomfort with your body and sexuality, if you have sexual needs, how comfortable are you expressing that to a partner? And how comfortable are you being naked? How interested are you in sex? There are couples who are both equally not so interested and that will work. But if one of you is interested in five times a week and the other one is interested in once a month, that's going to be tough. That's going to be a problem. Yeah. But you know what I, I, found really interesting is that there are couples who really are pretty asexual and it works for them. And so find your compatibility, right? Find a person who's interested in the frequency and the type of sex. There are also sexual blueprint quizzes online. There was somebody who was on my podcast who created the erotic blueprint and it, it just like your love language, it's your sex language. And it's really interesting. It's whether you're adventurous or kinky or traditional and or you're sensual, understanding yourself better and understanding your partner better. And so then you can communicate better. You can help please your partner and you can be pleased. And so this is really about knowing your desire, knowing your interest level and knowing how to communicate all of it will help improve your relationship. We have a special gift for you. Whether you're still emotionally entangled with your ex or not, imagining and creating your life after divorce can feel surreal for some, terrifying for others. Fears and limiting beliefs around financial security, building new friendships, health and fitness, and even finding healthy love can interfere with your ability to create the life you desire. Journey Beyond Divorce coaches can help you get clear on what you want and the obstacles that are keeping you stuck and guide you in manifesting your ideal life. We're here to help you enter this new chapter with more confidence and enthusiasm with a free jumpstart call. Visit journeybeyonddivorce.com backslash jumpstart to book your call today.
we have later in our um, series, we have uh, a therapist coming on talking about sensuality and we have another um, marriage counselor and therapist coming on talking specifically about sexuality. And I think this is an area where there's a lot of taboo still. There's a lot of um, wounds and brokenness, certainly with a lot of women and the ability to uh learn and begin to articulate and to to um to take some of the shame and guilt and and discomfort away uh because i always say people are so much more comfortable engaging in the physical act than they are talking about it and sharing you know their fears their concerns their excitement their their desires and so um, I love that that's such a key part of your three in your manual. Mm. Yeah, we, I mean, people go through marriage being dissatisfied sexually, having core compatibility differences and stay for a really long time. And when you know yourself better, you can improve all your relationships. And it starts with your knowledge of yourself always. Yeah. And and it sounds to me that the core of your um, personal operating manual is you have all this information and then it's all about communication. It's all about that that dance, that interaction of uh, talking and learning. And you said you said a word earlier that we use so often um, in our coaching. We say, you know, if you could replace your judgment with curiosity, like the whole world opens up. And so can you just talk a little bit about curiosity in the space of new relationships and what that does and what maybe the opposite would do as well? Yeah, we tend to see the world only through our lens. And so we quickly form conclusions and assumptions about people and what they meant and what they, you know, that just stuff that is absolutely not something we can figure out without getting curious. We then our, our feelings get hurt, we get triggered, we, we form stories. And so one way to talk about this is to talk about the story you're making up. You can talk about how you feel and say, what I'm making up about this is that you don't find me attractive, for example. I don't know. You know, you haven't you haven't made a move in two days. So the story I'm making up is you don't find me attractive. And I'd, I'd really be curious to know what's going on for you. And we're often probably almost always surprised by the answer we get it has nothing to do with us. It has to do with they were tired. They had a long day at work. There's something else on their mind and they just didn't realize the effect it had on us. We get these questions all the time in my Facebook group, your last first date, where somebody will say, somebody took their profile picture down online and, you know, their online dating profile picture. What does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> Why don't you ask them if you're still talking to them? Because they're the only ones who can answer you. Right. And so we can make up tons of stories. Oh, they're scammers. Oh, they're not interested. Oh, they moved on. Oh, they're not a member of the site anymore. Who knows? Right. So we do this. We do this without even realizing it. I mean, I, I used to have these conversations with my mom who would 
make up stories about every single person. Oh, this the doctor didn't answer the call. I think he's away with his partner in his house in the country because I know he has a house. And I'm like, mom, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> right. And it's like, okay, write a story about this, you know, make a fantasy story, but this isn't real life. We have to check things out. And so as hard as it is, because we so believe that what we believe is true, get curious, ask the question, tell them you're making up a story that we don't really know. And you're just curious what is going on for them. You know, as you say that, what comes to mind for me is um, it requires vulnerability. It requires you to... Uh, take a little bit of a risk in simply in the asking. It's almost safer to just sit in your own little head and create your stories and go with that. And, you know, Brene Brown, her, um, her Ted talk on vulnerability was the first one to, to uh, go viral. And it really put her on the map. And it talks so much about how uh, we will, enjoy all the beauty in life to the same level that we're willing to be vulnerable and kind of emotionally naked and open. And can you just talk a little bit about the impact um, and the the power of vulnerability in new relationships? One of my favorite topics. I love Brene Brown. I just read her latest book, Atlas of the Heart, which is all about emotions and really understanding the nuances of emotion Vulnerability is such a huge strength and we see it as a weakness that if I had a client who said this recently, he said, I don't want to be vulnerable. It's a weakness. And it means that somebody then has the weapons to attack me where I'm, where I'm vulnerable. And, and he happens to have a military background. And I said, you know, in the military, that's true. When you're vulnerable to people who could attack you, they could attack you if you're open. But in a relationship that you have built with trust and with care and with love, your being vulnerable is a way to connect more deeply. You don't do it unless you have built that trust, unless you have somebody has earned your full vulnerability. So vulnerability is like a, a unpeeling an onion. It's a layer at a time. When I work with clients who are just starting out with dating, we reframe their stories with a little vulnerability at a time. We don't tell the whole story of your past and how your husband died and he was sick for 30 years and and how hard it was and all the details. You just start with, my husband died two years ago. It was really challenging and hard for me, but now I'm ready to find love again. That's it. Second layer, more vulnerable, is you start talking about the emotions and how hard it was because now this person has earned that. And then the next layer and the next layer and the next layer. And so to me, it's it's an unfolding so that you're not splayed wide open and you're not vulnerable to attack. And I think that if we're not vulnerable, we close ourselves off from deeper conversation, from really getting to know each other. We're getting to know the perfected, you know, polished view of the other person and not the whole picture. 
And it's the vulnerability where we connect, where we really feel, oh, this is a human being. I can relate to this person. You know, when you shared your core values, I could relate to you because you shared a little of your vulnerability. And, and so I'm hearing two things. One is in the beginning, be discerning. Don't just go all vulnerably naked at once and um, kind of like dose people. And that way you get to um, share a little bit. You also get to discern that, that this is safe, that this is a, a space that you can grow into. And, um, and in the growing into it is where you really get to know the other person and enjoy the nuances of the relationship. Absolutely. So like the entire operating manual is based on knowing yourself, knowing your partner and being vulnerable enough to discuss what do I need in sex? I mean, how many people will never say, you know, that doesn't feel good. (laughs) Can you move two inches to the right? You know, it's like, I prefer sex with candles or with you know, toys or whatever it is, it's, it's vulnerable to ask for what you want because most of us have been in relationships where when we asked for what we wanted, we didn't get it. And so we just go, okay, shut down, live in a fortress, have those hard layers over your heart and protect yourself, but you're protecting yourself from love and depth of emotion too. Yeah. And that's that piece where, you know, the risk of vulnerability is also the invitation into all the beauty that a relationship can be. And and to your point, when you're doing it in layers, um, if you're being vulnerable with the wrong person and the space begins to feel unsafe, you're going to know it. You'll have that discernment. You're not kind of like laying it all out at once. I love that. Um, I wanted to just say one more thing about that, because I've had a lot of clients who have anxiety, who have, I would say anxiety is one of the biggest issues and being able to say to a partner, I tend to be very anxious in relationships. And when I'm anxious, this is what I need. Is that something you can give me again, vulnerability, and it doesn't come on the first date. But when you share something like that, you're going to see if a person can support you. I had a client who needed to be able to call her boyfriend when he'd fall asleep after committing to calling her. He would just be exhausted and fall asleep and she would make up a hundred stories about, oh my God, he found somebody else and he's not interested. And, and he told her, listen, it's not on purpose. You can call me. It could be two o'clock in the morning. That's okay. So they had an agreement, which I thought was so beautiful and they're going strong and they're doing better than she's ever had in a relationship because she was vulnerable. Wow. That's a great example. I love that. Thank you. Uh, One of the things we talked about early on, um, if we could just touch on this before we begin to wrap up is Um, And I don't know where this falls in your um, operating manual, but is um, communication styles. I I had a uh, I was doing couples coaching with um, with a married couple once and and she she was um, she was uh, an external processor and she was ADD. 
And he was a surgeon and an internal processor. So he had to make his decisions like on a dime. And so he did this whole evaluation in his head, made a decision in the snap. And she would kind of go on and on and talk through all that. And he kept thinking she was changing her mind. They judged each other so much over their just different communication styles. Can you share a little bit about communication styles and some tips around that? Sure. You just described my daughter and me. (laughs) (laughs) She's got ADD and she processes externally. So she'll often call and just think out loud and process something. And it's like, I could not even be there and it would be fine because she needs that space to work it through. And so I, as a very direct communicator, will say, are you calling to vent? Do you want to problem solve? Like I will start to hone in on helping her to get clarity around what's going on for her. And, you know, are you looking for a solution? Or are you just choosing to vent? So knowing our communication style, our communication archetype is really important. So we don't judge each other. And I had to learn, actually, I did an exercise with my coach many years ago when she was just a teenager, where I created a triangle on the floor, like an imaginary triangle. And at one point of the triangle was her, at another point was me. And then the third point was the relationship. And this is a really beautiful way to look at relationships because the point of the relationship is a third entity. It's who we become when we're together. And so if you can step into the point of what is the perspective of my partner, I'm going to stand in their point and try to see it from their perspective. Then I'm going to stand in my own point, And then I'm going to stand and look at it from the relationship perspective. That helped shift everything for me. I was able to see that I was really hard on her. She had no idea she was forgetting to close the front door when she left for school or drop her backpack on the floor and not even be aware that it was there. And that's why it's so important for us to understand each other. It doesn't mean that we should tolerate people doing bad things or misbehaving. It means that we can have more compassion for them when they do and process things differently than we do. And so we can say how, what we need, like my daughter's coming home for a short visit for about two weeks, and we've already set up how it's going to be. This is what I need from you. What do you need from me? And so that is really one of the most helpful things. Like I know that I need, I I told her I'm going to commit to being patient, being more patient with you, trying to be really clear about my needs and not getting upset if you leave a light on or, you know, do something minor. But, you know, my expectations are you put food away, you put dishes in the dishwasher, you close and lock the door when you come in. Little things, not huge, but those are things that got completely ignored in the past. And so I have a quiz on my website. It's if you go to lastfirstdate.com and just click click the quiz on link on the menu. It's understanding your communication archetype. And there are four of them that I've identified. And the first one is the lion or the lioness. And that is the direct communicator. Those people are pretty secure with who they are. They know what they want and need and they communicate it directly. Then we have the koala, which is the passive aggressive. I never knew that koala bears were passive aggressive. (laughs) They look so cute, but they're really. (laughs) (laughs) So, 
If you are a passive aggressive communicator, you might be using humor to deflect a lot of sarcasm that used to be me. And I thought it was funny, but it was confusing and it was hurtful. And so if you're communicating with a koala or you are a koala, there are certain things you need to do differently, like asking for clarity and getting curious and saying, you know, that was hurtful the way you said that. And I don't think you meant to be hurtful, but I would really appreciate you being more direct. Mm -hmm. And then there's the scorpion who is the aggressor. And that's a person who just immediately reacts and has rage issues. And, you know, you might have a boss like that. You might have a partner like that. Those people are difficult to be with and they often don't realize there's an alternative to aggression unless you tell them and see if they're willing to work with that. And then there's the puppy. The puppy is the passive, quiet people pleaser, doesn't speak up. And so if you are a puppy or you're dating a puppy, it's important to let the other person know what you need. Again, express your needs. Tell the person, you know, I didn't understand what you needed because you didn't tell me. And in the future, I would love to support you. But if you don't express what you need, it's really hard. And so creating that safe space within the relationship and stating your intention up front, I want to support you. I want to be there for you. It's hard when you do this. So can you do this instead? So I love like through this whole thing, um, don't don't label, um, get curious, uh, understand the um, the personal operating system of yourself and your partner. Chat about it. Get vulnerable. Um, uh, really get to understand your partner and all of these things together. Right? Communication is just that. That's the that's the grease, right? That that keeps the wheels rolling smoothly. Um, communicating through all of this is really. Um, a key to creating really healthy relationships. Yeah, creating and maintaining, definitely. Creating and maintaining, yeah. This has been wonderful. Do you have any last um, wisdom or tips or strategies? And then, and then I want you to tell our audience where they can find you. Sure. Uh, last tips. I think... Really understanding yourself is so important, but also understanding that we can all grow and improve. Your past does not define your present or your future. And I think so many people with a fixed mindset come in going, well, it's just the way I am and it's just the way it's always been. So it's always going to be this way. And I can tell you from my own experience, I was definitely a koala. I grew up in a home of scorpions and koalas and and it was confusing and it also influenced me in ways that I wasn't even aware of and so what whatever type of relationships you've had in the past if you've had poor communication if you've tried to communicate with a difficult partner it's all it's all good learning experiences and you don't have to do this alone get support because I, I had to get support. I had to learn all of these skills because I didn't have them naturally and you yeah. can do it too. And I would love to support anybody who's looking for support. Karen is wonderful for resources for this as well. 
And so, yeah, that's, that's my last words of advice and encouragement. And you can find me at lastfirstdate.com. That's my website. And on Instagram at lastfirstdate1. And on Facebook, you can join my group, Your Last First Date. It's a vibrant, healthy approach to dating and relationships in midlife. It's for women only. So it's women over 40 who are dating and looking for a healthy relationship this time around and not a place just to come and vent and say how horrible dating is. Yeah, those aren't your people. No, those are not my people. And the quiz that you mentioned is on on your website. And is that a free quiz? It's free. Yeah. Okay. So that and that's just is that on the home page? Is that obvious to people on the home page? Because yep, we'll there's a pop a up. Link. There's a pop up, and there's also a quiz link on the menu, so you can Great. just go right there. Yeah, and learn about your communication archetype, which uh, we highly recommend. And this has been brilliant. Thank you so much for sharing your time and and your wisdom with us. And you've you've left our listeners with some great ideas of how to delve into their new relationship and gather more information and be more authentic and vulnerable. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Sandy. And we will be back again with our next episode. Um, real soon. So stay tuned. Thanks for joining us on the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast. I hope you found guidance and encouragement to help you along your journey. If you like my podcast, please take a minute to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. You can also visit us at jbddivorcesupport.com where our team of coaches support both men and women through our one-on-one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. Stay tuned for our next episode, and I'll talk to you soon.